Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We are continuing our look at Matthew. We have just finished up with the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We're now beginning in chapter 8, um, and we're going to meet a leper. <clears throat> when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him from the mountain where he had preached the Sermon on the Mount, which is up near the Sea of Galilee. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So, <clears throat> seems pretty straightforward, right? You've probably heard sermons on this before. You've probably heard a lot of sermons on, on cleansing of lepers and all that kind of stuff. And so you probably know that they were outcasts in society. They were not allowed to come near other people. If you came near them, they had, they had to carry identifying uh, pieces of information. And, and when you came near them, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, so that you didn't come close enough to contract their leprosy. So it's this um, very odd sort of disease, however, it has nothing to do with what we know as leprosy today. There's not a single skeleton uh, ever been found in that region where that had Hansen's disease, which is what leprosy is known as today. So it, there, there was no leprosy in the sense of modern-day leprosy in Israel that anybody has ever discovered. So what's going on? What in the world is going on here? Um, it's not the the disease where skin sloughs off and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with that. Um, you might be really surprised <laughs> by what I'm getting ready to explain to you and tell you about this um, from a Jewish perspective, and it's always been true in Judaism. This is exactly what they've always thought. So this leprosy was a skin disease. You know, it's, it's very well defined in Leviticus 13 what that would look like. And the process for what you do about it is likewise really well defined, um, and and when I say what what you do about it, what I mean is 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 that it, there's no like therapeutic regimen described in in Leviticus 13. No, what it is 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 it it's the the regimen for being restored to the community, because the first thing that happens is as soon as you have it, it's got to be inspected by the priest, and as soon as the priest sees it, he says, okay, you got to go. And you come back when it's clean, and they have to then examine the skin again, check it, make sure there's every bit of it's gone. The edges are clean and all that kind of stuff, as though you were looking at some sort of a, a, a biopsied cancer thing. Uh, you, the margins are clean. It's all good. And, and then there's something you still have to do. You're not immediately restored. You have to make a sacrifice. Um, and, it, and you would think that what that sacrifice was was some sort of a thank offering that God had healed you. That's not what it was. It was a sin offering. It's a sin offering that has to be made. And so Jesus sends this guy back and says, offer the gift that Moses commanded. It's really odd. It's the only situation, leprosy, and it happens every time he runs into a leper. It's the only situation where Jesus does this where he sends the person back, tells them to go to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. No other situation that we run into anywhere in Scripture do we see that. The woman caught in adultery. 
He makes no mention of going to the priest and making an offering. Whenever he forgives the, the uh, paralytic, when he forgives him his sin, he doesn't send him to the priest to do anything. When he heals the man at the pool of Bethesda, he, he tells him, go and sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. He doesn't tell him to go make a sin offering. It's only in this case, but it's always in this case. It's a really strange thing. So you have to do a little bit of work, find out what in the world's going on. What is this? So what I'm going to do is give you a little bit of background on, on how they understand it and how they understood what leprosy was in that context. And they, so they understood it was a result of sin. And, and it's partly because the very first time that you see anything about it before, that you see anything about leprous involves sin, actually. So let's go back and see where that is. <clears throat> so it, it's with Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And it goes way back. <clears throat> and what's happened? What, what has happened when this happens? Does anybody, if, if you remember then what you might remember is, is that, that Moses and uh, or Aaron and Miriam have come to confront Moses. And what they've come to confront him over is to say, you know, why should you be the top dog around here? God's called us as much as he has called you. And this is in um, Numbers 12. So Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman who he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Moses said, and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, the, the, now the man Moses was very meek. Remember, we just talked about this recently, about Moses being meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam which would seem a little bit odd because the tent of meeting is where Moses met with him. And he said, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak out against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, which would be like a punishment, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people didn't set on the march until Miriam was brought in again. And then the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So that is the first time that anybody has leprosy. Now, it's been covered in Leviticus 13 because Leviticus comes before Numbers, <laughs> but that's partly because it's history. Uh, the, um, numbers is more history than, than Leviticus. Leviticus just really just means law. So what you see is, okay, this is the first person who ever had it. How did she get it? And the answer is 
what Aaron said. We have sinned against you. And so what they have come to believe, and have believed it for a very, very long time. I'm not, I'm not saying this is something they believe now, but they didn't believe at the time of Jesus. No, it's something they believed at the time of Jesus. Pretty clear in the Talmud that this has been something that there, there wasn't any particular question or quarrel about it, that it had to do with sin. And enough so that, well, you've got to make a sin offering in order to be restored, it's the only thing that fits in that category. There, there's no other skin ailment or anything like that where a sin offering is required for the person to be restored to fellowship. So what they believe is, is that that leprosy is related to malicious talk, malicious talk in the camp, malicious talk in the, in the place that's designed to slander people. And, and it's a mark that, it, I mean, you know, I'll tell you the truth. When I was pastoring a church here, there were probably times in my ministry when half my congregation could have had leprosy and, and possibly me as well. So because the, it's so rampant in so many churches that it's absolutely unbelievable that there's this malicious talk all the time. I mean, there's constantly something going on, right? And so what would be great is is that, you know, people will come and they'll say to you, you know, people are saying X, Y, and Z. Well, it would be really nice if there was some way to identify those people. If God would just give them that leprosy and you could go, okay, now I know who it is. I know exactly who's doing it. Most of the time when people come to you and say people are saying, it's, well, them. I can remember John Maxwell talking about this one time, that this woman kept coming to him and saying, I, people are talking about this, people are talking about this, people are talking about this. And he said, I want you to make a change in your life. And she said, what do you mean? me make a change in my life. You know, I'm bringing you the criticisms of the congregation. He said, no, actually what you are is a garbage dump. It seems like that you're the place that everybody knows they can go to dump their garbage. And so you, you tend to be at the center of all of this. And I guess it's because people know that they can dump their garbage there and they can leave it with you because you'll take it. You're willing to, to hear all this stuff. And that's so often the case. But here, that's exactly what, what they say it is. It's this malicious speech and slanderous speech, not necessarily against leaders, but largely so. And so that God put this mark on them because he was preserving the life of the community from, from that very thing. It would be such a wonderful thing that if he would do the same thing today, except for what he's supposed to do, what we're supposed to do, and who we're supposed to be within the body of Christ— are those people who say no to that. Those people who say, no, that's not okay, it's not right, we're going to stop it right here. I wish I was 100% effective at that in my own life. I'm sometimes too often willing to hear that kind of stuff, and I need to be better at that. And so it, it's, it's a, uh, a, that's the disease that they believe it is, that, and they believe it's associated with sin, and they believe that, that this shows and proves exactly what leprosy is, and that it's a punishment from God to protect the community and to call the person to repentance, because too often you just get away with it. And so this was God's plan for preserving the life of the community, uh, for preserving it from internal dissension. That's exactly what they believe. And so that's the reason the person had to be put outside the camp. They were a danger to the life of the community. They presented a danger that, that God wanted to make sure didn't happen. Man, if, if, I'll tell you, if I got struck with leprosy every time I, I engaged in any gossip, whether listening to it or spreading it, I, I might change. 
more readily, right? I mean, that's that's the honest truth is is that we might be more apt to change about those kinds of things if if it if it actually costs us something. You know, ultimately it can cost you something when it gets back to you, but not usually, right? So here what you get is Jesus sees this guy and and he he comes to him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That's a statement of faith, right? He he believes that Jesus can do this. And it's there's not some cure for leprosy. Like I said, there's no therapeutic regimen anywhere in the Bible about what to do or anything like that. So he, he, he believes that Jesus can make him clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And that's a similar kind of situation between Jesus and the woman um, who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. She touches him and receives healing. Here, Jesus touches this guy and receives healing. Jesus doesn't always touch people when he heals them. Sometimes he just speaks. Sometimes he speaks at a distance. There's all kinds of ways that Jesus heals people. Why here would he touch this guy? I believe it's exactly the same reason that he tells the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, before he pronounces healing over him, because that was the necessary thing. It was the most important thing. It effectuated the healing in both those instances, in my, in my opinion, that the touching of this guy, effectuated the healing. It made it more real. Jesus did something here that that would take your breath away if you were standing there with him, that that it would absolutely take your breath away. But again, as I've said before, one of the things that that it does, him with this as well as the woman with the issue of blood is is that there's a math right there's a there's a there's a mathematical kind of an equation that that exists that explains this whole clean and unclean thing so there's three states of being right so there's clean unclean or profaned whatever you want to call it and then there's normal <laughs> and, and most things are normal right something only goes from it becomes clean once it's no longer unclean so that's the transition, but you're normal after that. That's a normal state of affairs. It's clean only in the sense that it's no longer unclean. So th- there's a math, though, with, with to do with uncleanness. So contact with uncleanness, dead bodies, lepers, all those kinds of things, means you who touched him, touched the unclean thing, are now also ritually unclean for a period of time. You've contracted that uncleanness. So when Jesus touches this guy, and what was previously unclean becomes obviously clean, the math no longer works. Because that's not how it is. If you touch something unclean, that thing stays unclean, and you contract defilement from having come in contact with an uncleanness. But what happens then when normal comes into contact with uncleanness and changes the state from unclean to clean. Something happened that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) That's a work of God to make something clean. In this instance, it's a work of God to do that. And that's the reason you make a sin offering, because you're atoning for it, but you're thanking God for having healed you. But you can't make that until you're healed. Because the, the punishment of God is still on you until such time as you're clean. And then you can make the sacrifice for sin. 
That's not true in most other situations regarding sin. You come and make it as a, as a way of making atonement for restoring that relationship with God. But with leprosy, that relationship is broken until you're healed, until you're clean. And so here, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And there, there's this physical touch that this guy has not been able to have or appreciate so long as he's had this leprosy. He has become a complete outcast, and here Jesus reaches, touches, and restores. It, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that Jesus would have touched him. You know, it, it, The reality is he didn't have to, but I believe it was incredibly important for this guy to see that, that Jesus restored him right then. But then he tells him not to go talk to anybody because until it's been examined by the priest, he's not officially clean. But he tells him to go and do this and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. It's the only place that in Scripture with these lepers that Jesus meets in every case, it's the only place that you see Jesus telling somebody to go make a sin offering. It's really interesting. It's the only place he does this. But, but it's necessary in this particular instance, it's necessary for a leper to do that because it's more than just about the healing. It's all also restoration to the community. And the only way they're going to be restored to the community then is if they make that sacrifice. And that's only necessary until Jesus makes the necessary sacrifice once and for all. It's an amazing thing. This, this whole leprosy thing is absolutely amazing. It can only be explained in this way. It's unbelievable at some level that I've never heard anybody talk about this until I heard Jewish rabbis talking about it, and then it made sense of everything that happens here. Every single bit of it makes sense only if you understand how leprosy was treated under the law. And here Jesus comes, and he is not going to bypass the law in order for this guy to be restored. So the important thing is the healing, but equally important is this guy's restored to the community. Because community matters to Jesus as much as the healing does. Having this guy restored to that community, having, having a faith community surrounding him is so important to Jesus that he commands him to go make a sin offering in order to establish or reestablish that community. This is an amazing story. All these leprosy stories are absolutely amazing for that very reason. Jesus touches a man who is literally an untouchable, heals him, and then it's equally important for them to be restored to community. And so he, he commands him to go and do what Moses has commanded until such time as Jesus can make the atoning sacrifice for all sin. He is so wonderful. And sometimes it's so easy to miss just exactly how wonderful he is. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.